Hello everyone, this is Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, welcoming you to a Long Box Crusade Elseworlds episode. a Long Box Crusade Elseworlds, you might ask? Well, some of your favorite Long Box Crusade members have done some work over on some other podcast networks that you may or may not be familiar with. So from time to time, we will grab a show from the past that one or all of us has done on one of those other networks, and we'll play it for you here. Whether it's a James Bond rookie agent show from On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast Network, or a Comics with Normies from White Rocket Entertainment Network, or some other bit of alternate dimension craziness, we hope that you enjoy this presentation of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. Of Research and Development Q Branch. And the Rad Adventures Network. And you're listening to MI6 Rookie Agents at On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Hello and welcome to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I am your host for this program, Jared Albrecht, the all-powerful yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. And joining me as veteran Bondophile co-host is my brother, the man who introduced me to the world of 007, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Jason, welcome back to the show. And as usual, what kind of 007 stuff have you been doing since we recorded Golden Eye? Oh, Golden Eye was a magnificent one, but I've been preparing for Tomorrow Never Dies. And I had my script all written up. I couldn't remember where I put it. Then I remembered I put it in the secret safe with my GPS encoder, my heroin, and my pile of smut. I got it. I'm ready to go. Okay, at this point, I have to tell the God's honest truth to my co-hosts and our listeners. Sitting in front of me is the notes I made for this movie. Possible trivia questions and whatnot. I'm going to read you an actual bullet point on my notes, verbatim. In Gupta's safe, smut, drugs, money, and red box. (laughs) It's literally staring me in the face right now. We we pick up on the same key details, Jason. (laughs) Well, I just thought it was funny, you know. I mean, I don't want to go too deep in the movie too early, but, you know, he's like, you know, Carver's like, keep this safe. And he's like, all right, I got the safe. And it's like under his pile of smut. <laughs> but Carver, I'm like. I, I actually have a lot to say about Gupta. Don't let me forget to rant about Gupta later on in the show. But we got to get to that part in the show. We do. You know what show number this is? This is show number 18. Can you guys believe it? Ah, I can't believe it. believe it. 18? Holy cow. I know. It's gone by fast. 18 in life, you got it. 18 in life, you know. Your crime is time, and it's 18 in life, Oh, gosh. This is not a long box. This is not a long box. (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) This is MI6 Rookie Agents. And on Rookie Agents, Jason and I are taking two friends in our lives. We're not terribly familiar with the 007 universe through the entire James Bond series of films. One movie at a time. I think you should change that. I'm 18 into this now. Pat, we'll bless you off as a full agent when we finish the run. I promise. All right. All right. All right. we We do want your newcomer's point of view. That's the whole purpose of the show. You can go out and list a bunch of really good James Bond podcasts with a bunch of James Bond smart guys and experts, but we bring dumb guys and non-experts. So you're yeah. welcome to the podcast community. <laughs> but that is the point of the show. We want that newcomer's point of view. So we've got newcomers and uh, they usually bring it in hilarious fashion. So let's welcome these newcomers. Let's start with Delvin, the dark web, silver hands, pop, pop, piss, possibly hot thing, maybe coffee black. Williams, welcome back to the show. Good to be back, Jared. <laughs> 
What's the most Bond-like thing you've done since we recorded GoldenEye? You were there for it. We got to see one of our real-life, not 007 agents, but, you know, U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel retired, Rob Kincaid, mm-hmm. retired from the Air Force, and that was uh, pretty darn cool. Oh, and- hold on, hold on, Delvin. Tell me his wife wasn't murdered and his legs weren't chewed up by a shark. <laughs> well, I left. <laughs> So I can't confirm or deny that. Goodness, I don't know. I, that did not happen. I, that could never happen to lovely and sweet Carolyn. Better not. The shark thing to rob, possibly, but no, <laughs> not, not the Carolyn. We'd have to get four agents to go out there and license to kill that <laughs> Dibs on Sharky. Wait, no. Ah. <laughs> Dang it. But that was a fun time, Delvin. That was a fun time. Absolutely. Pat, what have you been doing since GoldenEye, man? What James Bond-inspired thing have you done in your life? Oh, boy. Hard to think about that. I consider myself somewhat of a genius, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. the, the distance between insanity and genius is measured only by success. <laughs> and I don't think I'm very successful at that right now. <laughs> so you're insane. insane. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> it's, you know. You call me crazy? <laughs> no, man. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> Pat, what are we going to do with you? I mean, certainly you've been doing computer work. Mm-hmm. Certainly you've been working on perhaps the guidance system. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. I moved up to that. I moved <laughs> on to that now. <laughs> I'll never stop. Now I got my nice little office I have by myself, a little safe area where I keep some stuff. <laughs> It keeps smut and uh, drugs and money. And no, no, it's just more of my import-export stuff that I keep in there. <laughs> the pipes. Mm-hmm. Ray guns, the pants. Ray guns, yeah. But no heroin. No heroin, nope. That I leave to him. <laughs> well, <laughs> My pistachios. Yeah, you do love those pistachios. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to plan on releasing the show monthly as a companion to the show that Van Allen Plexico and Alan Porter are doing. They're currently reviewing one 007 film per month-ish as we build towards the release date of Bond 25, which is supposed to come out, I think, in 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, man. <laughs> oh, but, hey. Yeah. We're going to roll right along with it. And like I said, this is episode 18. We are closing in on the back end of the Bond series. And once that's wrapped up, I think the intent will be to take these rookie agents through probably never say never again. Then we'll blust them off in a full agent kind of way. And they will start just getting all over the place with James Bond stuff. You never know what we're going to dig into next. But basically here on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, you get us with the rookie agents. You get, like I said, Van and Allen with their in-depth dive legit show. You get special interview shows we cook up from time to time. And it's just good time. So stick with us, but let's get to today's film. Tomorrow never dies. But before we get to our mission brief from Agent Jason, guess what? He's going to jump into the action from a very high altitude. Halo jump. (laughs) With no parachute in our segment called What Makes You Say That? I'm now aiming precisely at your groin, so speak or forever hold your peace. And what makes you say that? I give Jason a line from tonight's movie, which is Tomorrow Never Dies. And Jason will give me the line that came before it. He's our human VCR, rewinds it in his head. How are you feeling about this one, Jason? I'm feeling like half our audience probably doesn't know what a VCR is. Ah, okay. It's like a DVD if you put it onto a magnetic... T- it's complicated. <laughs> 
probably a quarter of our audience doesn't know what a DVD. Is. You know how in you on YouTube, if you're watching it, you click the little ball that shows where you're at, and you drag it back a few seconds. So you can oh, it again. oh, there That's, we go. There we go. There we go. Got to relate so, to the people, Jared. You got yeah, forgot. Forgot. So, how you feel about your quotes tonight, Jason? Oh, I don't know. Like I said, as we're getting deeper into this, these are films that I haven't watched quite as much. But I don't know. I did well last time. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Indeed, here comes your first quote. So that's what I've been doing wrong all these years. I think I remember this one. Ooh, got a rookie agent chomping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I've been doing wrong all these years. Uh, I gotta think it's when Q's giving him the gadgets. Mm, yes, your thinking is correct. How's that feeling for you, Delvin? Does that feel right to you? It does. Good. All right. Good. Was it press here to talk? Oh, you're very close. Ooh. Delvin, you want to uh, take a shot at it? Take a shot, Delvin. Oh, it was something like he said, your ear goes here. And yeah, you guys and are hitting all around it. And your mouth talks here. Speak here, listen here. Very, very clear. All of those guys, Jason, it's talk here, listen here. Oh, you showed okay. the phone. Yeah, I, I had the seed, but these are a little hazy for me. Yeah, I understand. I, I haven't watched these as many times as some of the older ones myself. All right, so this next one, you know, I'll give you one that's a little more challenging. Oh, gosh. You're only going to get two words, okay? But I'll try to put a performance in it, help you out. Okay. Two words, okay? Here we go. I I got to get it in my head. Get that acting. Got to get those marks. Me too. Hopefully that works. I'm just a professional trying to do a job. Yes, 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 yes. Right here for Jason. Got a quote off of two words. I'm just a professional doing a job. Me too. Bam. Bam. (laughs) <laughs> Cook that fool. Hell yeah, he did. That was badass. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that out of the way, Jason, you did pretty good on these movies that we haven't seen as many times. So uh, I still giving you your props. Think you did a good job. How about you give us that quick mission brief on tomorrow? Never dies. All righty. Action stations. Aye, aye, sir. Sound the general alarm. The Chinese pilot insists we're inside their territorial waters and he will fire. An act of violence. Torpedo, torpedo, torpedo. It was an unprovoked attack on a ship in international waters. The promise of war. And instead of decisive action, all you want to do is investigate. My goal is to prevent World War III action. Now, the world has only one chance for peace. When will our ships be in position? 48 hours. And just one man for the job. Bond. <laughs> James Bond. How much do you know about Elliot Carver, W7? Worldwide media ban. Most newspapers, radio, satellite TV. There's no news. Like bad news. I understand you once had a relationship with Carver's wife. Was it something I said? How about the words, I'll be right back? I'm from the New China News Agency. Looking for a news story? <laughs> Could have taken care of him. <laughs> Let the mayhem begin. Your new BMW. Will you need collision coverage? Yes. Property destruction? Definitely. Personal injury? Accidents do happen. No, I'm 007. Cinder has developed a certain attachment. I get to work with a decadent agent of a corrupt Western power. I think you found the right decadent, corrupt Western agent as a partner. Phase two is underway.
the world belongs to Bond. When you remove Mr. Bond's heart, there should just be enough time for him to watch it stop beating. I would have thought watching your TV shows was torture enough. When a British naval vessel is sunk off the coast of China under mysterious circumstances, James Bond is sent to investigate. MI6 suspects that media mogul Elliot Carver is somehow involved, and Agent 007 is sent undercover to Hamburg to interrogate Carver's wife and Bond's old flame Paris. It isn't too long before the old 007 charm reignites the passions, and Paris gives James some information that validates MI6's suspicions. Unfortunately, the cost of betrayal is Paris's life, and Bond finds himself in a race against time to stop the deranged media baron from igniting World War III. 007 races across the globe to Vietnam, where he teams up with lovely and deadly Chinese agent Wei Lin to stop Carver from using his vast wealth and media empire to coax a war between Great Britain and the People's Republic of China. A pulse-pounding deep-sea dive, thrilling motorcycle chase, and an action-packed raid on a stealth boat are only some of the thrills and chills from Pierce Brosnan's second foray as James Bond. Introducing the new director, Roger Spottiswood, Tomorrow Never Dies was a financial success, raking in more than $125 million in the U.S. and $221 million worldwide. Critically, this was a little more of a mixed bag with many traditional Bond fans deriding the Americanization of 007 with the more bullet-flying action. The cast included Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, Michelle Yeoh as Wei Lin, Jonathan Price as Elliot Carver, Terry Hatcher as Paris Carver, Gertz Otto as Stamper, Samantha Bond as Miss Moneypenny, Desmond Llewellyn as Q, and Judy Dench as M. Back to you, Jared. Thank you for that, Agent Jason. Now let's find out what our rookie agents thought about this one in our segment called Declassified. Do you expect me to talk? And as usual, we're going to break this movie into a few pieces to get the insights from our rookie agents. And perhaps Jason and I can not run our mouths during this whole thing, but probably not. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end, Jason will give us some bonbons of trivia, and then we'll lead Delvin and Pat into the scoring rounds to find out how many out of seven martinis they're going to give this movie. But we're going to break up the rookery view into the following sections. We're going to talk about the pre-title sequence, the song in the opening credits, and then, of course, the Jared's Choice, where I pick something I think is stand out from this film to get the rookies' opinions on it, and then we'll roll into their overall opinions of the rest of the film. So, rookie agents, pre-title sequence, what were your overall thoughts? And this time, we'll start with Pat. I like this opening scene. It was very action-packed. Oh, yeah. Very suspenseful with the rocket. Correct. And, and was he going to get away or was he not going to get away with it? And I think it's one of those opening credits, too, that kind of plays with the story as well. It's not just a separate mission. It's Mm -hmm. kind of the beginning of this particular movie mission. I concur on all fronts. I'm a big fan of this pre-credit sequence. I don't know if I made that clear, but let's see if Delvin's going to agree with me or if he's going to poo-poo it. What do you think, Delvin? I will not poo-poo it. I agree with it. I thought the one word that I wrote was uh, urgent. I mean, Mm -hmm. it started right away and they were keeping... Bond in the shadows, but you know he was being referred to by code name. Mm. And then they made the decision, okay, we're just going to blow up this bazaar and, you know, end the terrorism threat. But there were nuclear missiles there that they didn't account for. And yeah, it was urgent. Drew you into the movie immediately. 
I enjoyed it. I like how they got the other cast involved, too. You had M mm-hmm. and, and all that that was going on there as well, too, at the MI6. Yes, I think, of course, I can't not run my mouth. I love that scene for all the reasons you guys said. Lots of action, lots of suspense, and exactly what you're saying there, Pat. I love how it makes it sort of a human emotional element. You see M is very concerned. Mm-hmm. You see, oh, Jason, help me out. What's his Tanner? Tan- no, Tanner's the white dude. Oh, uh, who is that? I his name just fell out of my head, and uh. he's going to be in future movies. That's going to bug me. Don't ask us that on trivia tonight, boys. Oh, uh-huh. is he? Oh, yeah. yeah, I like him a lot. The guy, the control yeah. room guy. Yeah, the control guy. Oh, I don't catch character. his name. Our, our listeners oh, are probably screaming at their devices right now. Anyway, yeah, I love the fact like it up, we can't. <laughs> you look it up while I talk about this. Oh, yeah, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> he gives one simple line, but he delivers it so well. You know, he just goes, "Get out of it, James." And you're like, "Man, these people are invested in James's safety. These are his friends." And I just thought that was cool. Yeah, he broke cover. Yep, wasn't saying his name. Was like, no, I'm legit concerned. Like he might die on this one, and mm-hmm. it was urgent. And <laughs> there was a guy in the nav seat that had no regard for his own safety. He was like, "No, I'm going to choke the crap out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to strangle him. I don't know what my plan is after that, but I, I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah, I want to wait till you land. I also like the fact that it looks like to me the British Navy buys their rocket systems from the same people that like Wiley Coyote uses. <laughs> yeah. Abort the rocket. Oh, I can't. <laughs> Wait, what? You can't? Someone forgot to hook up that button. <laughs> this is a wily coyote crap yeah, right here. here. The guy was like, womp, womp. <laughs> oh, well. And the guy's name is Chief of Staff Charles Robinson. Charles Robinson. Anyway, I like that guy. He shows up uh, as a recurring character on the TV show Arrow, for those of you. Yes, he did. Yeah. Or at home. Ah. I just like the actor. I think he's good. Colin Salmon is the actor. Ah, there you have it. Get out of it, James. I say that to myself a lot when I find myself in sticky situations. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, damn it. I could see it. It's a truck parked in front of a plane. (laughs) It's not like James Bond, though. It's not like he's trying to get away from those missiles and save nuclear missiles. It's like when I'm stuck in a drive-thru and I need to (laughs) get I need to get out of the line so you'd be on my way. Get out of it, Jared. Oh, goodness. I'm an idiot. Let's move on. (laughs) Speaking of moving on, Jason, I'm sure you have questions for these guys. Oh, yes, I do. It's time to get a fresh take from the rookies on the theme song of Tomorrow Never Dies and the opening credits. And eventually we'll kick it to Pat for the final song rating. Well, let's start with Pat. What were your thoughts on the song? How'd you like it? Uh, you know, this one was all right. It's Cheryl Crow's. I remember it being somewhat out at the time. I don't know how high it got on the charts at all, but eh. The 90s crappy music was in vogue. It's probably number one. <laughs> I'm going to play hopefully higher than a nose to hit. Yeah. Tied up three. Yeah. You know. near the floor. Yeah. It's the opening song was kind of, uh, but as far as the opening credits go, I thought they were really cool effects. Kind of mm. different. I haven't seen it before. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I miss the old ones. Yeah. yeah now that special. we've seen 18 of them, you know, I miss the really older ones. Yeah, something special about those early Maurice Spender ones, man. Yeah. Those were good. They were trippy. Yeah, this one was kind of like, okay, it's just some graphics and 
they're not really putting a lot into it. Well, this was, you know, at the beginning of the computer graphics. Yeah. What did you think, Delvin? How did you feel about the song? So last movie was GoldenEye, where Tina Turner just blew it away. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I noted about that song is in every song, there's this, there's sometimes it's a chorus, sometimes it's just a line or a note. You have to hit it because you hit it and it just sets the whole song up. And there was a part like right at the end where Cheryl Crow tried to go for this note of by and she ugh. She just crash landed. It was bad. I think they went with her because she was popular at the time. I actually looked for this in the post credits because I wanted to know that someone write the song for for her, perhaps. And maybe that was why it just felt a little bit off. But no, she wrote it herself. She was given credit for writing that song. I just felt it was too big for her. I don't know what it was. It just felt too big for. Now, that said, put against the opening credits, I didn't think it was bad against the opening credits. And the opening credits, I kind of liked how they kept it simple, but then they made it complex when it came to like the people in the computer imagery and stuff like that. I thought it was a good juxtaposition. So I thought, I mean, it wasn't the greatest, but I thought it was pretty cool. I think you were onto something there, Delvin. I just don't think Cheryl Crow's someone that you can see or hear her. Well, I guess you can hear her playing with an orchestra or, you know, singing to an orchestra and all that. Yeah. Like, it's just not her. No. Her voice like, just doesn't go good with that. Put it this way. The comparison that I have for Bond songs is all time high. It was an all time high type song. Mm. That's not a bad comparison now that I think about it. The chorus is a little, a little bit catchy and the lyrics, you know, a little bit, you know, I was talking about Bond and the lifestyle. It's a little bit drifting along pleasantly enough, but it never hit any high. And she definitely had the misfortune of following the lovely Miss Tina Turner and the legendary Gladys Knight, not to mention Patti LaBelle's in song too, not to mention the end song for this movie. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I may as well go ahead and spoil this much because I mentioned before that I've listened to the Bond themes and Jared shared with me about this movie that Katie Lang, who sang the end song, was possibly slated to do the song and they went with a popular name and it's like, okay, sweet. And then that ending song, and tomorrow never dies, surrender. I'm like, yes, (laughs) this is a Bond song. I mean, and her voice was just beautiful and full. And I'm like, why was this the opening song? Cheryl Crow got outdone on her own soundtrack. It's kind of like when the header of the show does better than the main event, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I think it's time to pass the baton to Pat. Let's rate this song. I'm not feeling a lot of sevens coming out today. Yeah, I don't think we are going to have that either. <laughs> I think we've all kind of played our hands a little bit, except uh, we haven't heard what Jared had to say, so... Tipped a, I gave you a little clue in the pre-recording chat. I said, I, I said, we'll, we'll find out. I believe yeah. I will score at the highest of all of us. Okay. Well, that's let's find my out. prediction. Well, let's go ahead and find out what we all have to rate this song at from Cheryl Crow. Tomorrow never dies. Let's find out what Delvin's going to rate it. It's a one out of seven. Pistachios. Pistachios. <laughs> yes. No heroin. No, 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 no heroin. <laughs> How many pistachios are you going to give this? Should it be pistachios? Just in case you're going to throw them, you might want a little more handful. That's true. No, we're going to we're going to leave a few nuts on the table for this. Okay. One. 
I'm giving it a three. I wrestle between a three and a four, which, you know, I'm saying, what is it? Average or mediocre? <laughs> so it's a mediocre song to me. I'm giving it a three. Jason. I'm right there with Delvin. It's a three for me as well. Okay. Well, I am going to give it a three as well, too. So I think we're all on the same kind of wavelength. We must have been kind of teetering going. Eh, yeah. Eh, eh. Jared. What as you? predicted. I'm giving it a five. I Ooh. like the song. Admittedly, I'm really taken with the orchestra. Okay. That has a lot to do with it. This is a song I do find myself singing in, in my spare time in the shower and whatnot. It just stays with me. I can't explain it. I knew I liked it better than most. I don't disagree with you guys. I get it. I don't know. There's something about the music in this one just speaks to me. So I'm giving it a five. Fair don't enough. judge me. Fair enough. <laughs> no, no. It takes all kinds of cars to fill a freeway, my friend. <laughs> you judge. Tina Turner and Gladys Knight appropriately. I'm cool with that. I don't care about Cheryl. Wow. Tina and Gladys are my two favorites, man. And of course, Shirley. Yes, of course, the dame. Well, well done, everyone. I will remain the champion for Cheryl Crow (laughs) for a while. I wonder if our listeners, any listeners out there with me on this one? Anybody like it better than most? Let me hear from you. Jared, I'm going to need you to surrender. (laughs) I do like that song, too. I like them both about the same. I'd give Surrender a five as well. See, I like that song. That song was all right. What would you give it, Pat? How many pistachios would you give Surrender? I think, well, you know, I've only heard it at the end, so I'd give it a four. It was better than the beginning song. Jason? I'm with Pat. Probably about a four. Delvin? I'll be with you there. I give it about five because I definitely enjoyed it. And maybe it was because it was put up against Cheryl Crow's song that gave it that little extra bump. But Mm -hmm. it was a good closing song. I dig it, too. But you know what? Let's get into Jared's Choice. And for Jerry's Choice, this segment, I want to ask about pre-title sequences again. I know we've done that a little bit before, and I'm going to ask a very pointed question to my rookie agents. You guys are going to have to think a lot about this one, because we're just going to talk Pierce Brosnan pre-title sequences, because let's admit it, guys. The pre-title sequence to GoldenEye was awesome. The pre-title sequence to Tomorrow Never Dies was awesome. You have to pick one. Which one do you pick, Delvin? I'm going to go with Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Okay. Because, I mean, it immediately just drew me in like, whoa, man, what's going on? So any time that it, it gets my attention to where it's like, okay, I'm, I was sort of settling into the movie. I'm kind of looking at Twitter still. And I was like, nope, get out of my way, phone. <laughs> phone away, you know, and just keyed right into the movie immediately. So, yeah, we'll go with Tomorrow Never Dies. Patrick. I'm going to go with Tomorrow Never Dies as well, too. Definitely, like Delvin said, it drew me in right away. It does a good job of suspense. Jason, you might as well throw in your opinion here. Are you kidding me? The (laughs) damn bungee jump, massive shootout, 100% more double O's, goldeneye all the way. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I can't even decide. It's it, for me. It's probably the one I watched last. <laughs> I love them both so much. I love, I them, love them so, so much. <laughs> I love that you guys are in on the jokes now. <laughs> I love it. I want to point out one thing though before we move on. This is the first time we get a soundtrack by David Arnold. He's going to be around for a while. He's going to do a lot of soundtracks. In the Bond music-loving community, as I have learned, one of the most beloved songs by Bond music lovers is the song that plays in the pre-credits, and it is called White Knight. And I hear the guys talk about it, you know, on James Bond radio and other things. Oh, White Knight is the track. White Knight is the track. So I was like, what's up with this White Knight? So I busted out my CD of the soundtrack, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh, it is really good. It's got a lot of tense stuff. And what I really like about it is Arnold goes back to the Bond theme a lot, mm-hmm. and he even puts in the little flourish from, from Rush With Love. 
He weaves that in. That just goes to show how good of an opening sequence that was. It really was. It just all came together. All right, but hold on. Time out. Let's go back to Goldeneye. Jumps into the plane. Last minute climb. Flying by the site. The site explodes, and then you hear. Oh, man, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. White no one's saying you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no one's saying you're wrong. I tell you what, you take that David Arnold score and put it over the GoldenEye pre-title instead of Eric Serra, and you probably got something going there. <laughs> you know, I don't defend Eric Serra for the pre-titles. I like the kind of Cold War-ish. Yeah. Now, it, it worked for that scene. Yeah, that sort of hollow industrial sound. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But you're right, the David Arnold score is <laughs> <really> <laughs> <good>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. All right, I got us off track. I tend to do that. All right, I'm going to pass it back to Jason. Jason will take the guys to the highs and lows of the film overall, and perhaps Pat's been keeping up with some other statistics for us. Oh, I'm sure he has. Well, let's hear from Delvin first. What were your overall thoughts on the film, Delvin? Speaking overall for the film, it was very much like the pre-credit sequence. It was fast-paced. Every movie has that lull kind of where you're like, all right, you know, maybe I can just sit down, you know, go back to Twitter. But no, I picked up the phone and threw it further away. (laughs) (laughs) Through you, phone, I was keyed into the movie the entire time to where even where I watched it late, I felt myself getting a little bit tired. But it's like, no, I got to press through this, not just to get through it, just to talk about it. But it's like, no, the action has been intense enough that that is going to sustain me. So there was no worries about falling asleep in this one. It was a nice, fast paced one. And I enjoyed that. Well, yeah, what do you think, Pat? I somewhat agree with Delvin on that one. To me, there was a lull. Underwater scene, wasn't it? Well, Here we go. Was, no, but yeah, Here that, we go. That actual underwater scene wasn't that bad, <laughs> I would have to say. But yeah, I got, I got it in my notes. I'm like, oh, no, another underwater <laughs> scene. <laughs> Going back to the overall film, I watched it late last night as well, too. And so, you know, I get a little tired, the sleepy Pat. I think it was in when Carver's having that big party at his place or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that place was a little dull for me because there wasn't a lot of action going on. James Bond beat the crap out of a bunch of guys in a soundproof room. Later on, but before that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he laid waste to some Euro trash, man. (laughs) But but there was a lot of action. And that's what was really nice about this. It went from action to action to action. He had that little lull part where, you know, Carver's got to tell him about himself and, you know, you get all that going on. But Well, let me ask you guys this, because one of the criticisms about this film and kind of Pierce Brosnan's films overall is what a lot of the fans kind of derisively turn the Americanization, where there's a lot of gunplay and action. Did you find that to be distracting, a little over the top, or were you okay with the amount of action that was in the film? What do you think, Delvin? Well... I'm American. <laughs> Me too. That's what I was thinking. Bigger guns. That's the only thing he needed was bigger guns. Right. I mean, it's one thing if he's looking like Cable, the sports <laughs> dude from the 90s, where he has like pouches and just pulling out guns that look like blow dryers and stuff. <laughs> no. 
I mean, it's, he's using conventional weaponry in a variety of different ways. And he's James freaking Bond. So I, he would think that he would know how to use all these weapons that he's firing off and, or jumping in a plane and knowing how to use that or firing off submarines, whatever the heck. He's the agent for all occasions. So, no, I don't have any issue with it. What about you, Pat? Did you find the action over the top or all right? I think it suited this particular movie with what they were going for at the time. You know, you had that kung fu style going on as well, too. So they wanted to get some of that in against gunplay. There was some sneaky bond, but not really over the top sneaky bond. Yeah. You know, he was just sneaking to get up on and shoot somebody or something like that. Were you missing the sneaky bond or were you were you OK with the formula for this film? I was OK with it because I think I got and we go back to the title sequence for Goldeneye. You got more sneaky bond there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did sneak around like the newspaper place in Germany before, yeah. you know, shooting it all up. And yeah. <laughs> they waste it with a million bullets. <laughs> a little bit. But you snuck into the it. he snuck into the stealth boat before you know shooting it up <laughs> well come on this, I, that's that's one of my questions too is how can he they're on a boat how can you sneak up on the stealth boat can't they see they got windows on the front of it i'm stealthier than the stealth boat i'm a stealth boater <laughs> boater <laughs> how could they not see stealthier than james vaughn only james vaughn can out stealth the stealth boat <laughs> <laughs> and then he shot it up that's right. Stealth mode deactivated. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this follow-up question, because one of the other pieces from this film that's widely discussed is there was a lot of rewrites and last-minute rights and a lot of changes. There was a lot of chaos associated with this film. Did you feel that at all as you were watching it? Because I kind of lumped it into almost like the You Only Live Twice formula. Where it's like, let's just find some good sets and put some good action scenes together. Did you look at it more along those lines or could you tell it was a little chaotic and undercooked? Delvin. What do you mean undercooked, Jason? What I mean by that is, like I indicated, there is last minute script revisions, changes on the fly. A lot of the actors were getting frustrated. We'll go into that more with the Bond Bombs. Sure. But there was a lot of tension on the set. So a lot of the criticism leveled was that they rushed this film to get it out. If they'd given it like another six months, they would have had a more polished movie. Did you guys feel that way or do you like it as is? I like it as is. Of course, I do like my sneaky bond, but it doesn't have to be sneaky bond all the time. It would be one thing if we watched about six or seven movies in a row where it was nothing but shoot them up. Maybe I'd get tired of that. But this movie had, you know, it had a pretty fast pace. And and for and considering that the big bad guy was not the fisticuffs guy, he was kind of like the mastermind. There was a decent amount of action with the movie and it kept coherent. So I didn't have much of an issue with it. I would not have known that it it had gone through several revisions and the um, actors were getting frustrated just based off of, I believe if this is not my first time, it has to be second because I was trying to think that I watched this movie before. I don't think I have. So I didn't sense that. It didn't come across as super disjointed to me. Okay. What about you, Pat? You agree or disagree? I somewhat agree with that. The only thing I thought that was kind of different was with Terry Hatcher's role. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wanted to see a little bit more. Yeah, I did too. 
<laughs> I think he meant more screen time. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Well, you know, right. know it can be. It can be. Because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember, oh, was she going to be around longer or not? And then it's like, next thing you know, you find her dead on the bed. And it's like, oh, okay. And then they bring in the other Wei Lin along in that. Then I'm like, okay, well, he's got to get with her then sometime. And that took a little bit to get to as well, too. Yeah, I don't know. I could see a little bit of that disjointedness. I felt a little bit that way, but. I'll tell you right now, Paris Carver is a divisive topic in the Bond fan community. Why? A lot of people find this previous relationship she's had with Bond, like Bond looks like he was at one point legitimately in love with this woman, Mm -hmm. and they had something very special. And a lot of people are like, well, okay, if you want to do that, for the first two Bond movies, they had that character Sylvia Trench. She was like his girlfriend whenever he was back in London. Mm -hmm. She was the very first girl he ever talked to when he said, my name is Bond, James Bond. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, why didn't you make that character Sylvia Trench? So then we can sort of immediately buy into that, oh, long-term relationship thing. And I don't disagree with that. I think that's probably a pretty good idea. But so they invented this character and they said, oh, they were in love. And then a lot of people just don't buy the chemistry. Maybe that was it. Yeah. I've thought about it a lot over the last year or so because people have been talking about more and more. My take on is I don't buy the chemistry because if this was a woman who was in love with a man like James Bond, why would she marry a man like Elliot Carver? If it was just for money or for whatever, it just doesn't make sense. I can come up with an answer for you. Money, 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 money. (laughs) Not just money. An F ton of money. I can't. <laughs> That's a hell of a chunk of dough. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. <laughs> My explanation would be I mean, we've seen this storyline before where the girl goes for the bad boy, the bad boy burns the girl, and then the girl goes the opposite way and gets someone who's completely safe, possibly boring, possibly megalo maniacal. <laughs> Possibly a murderer. Possibly a murderer. But that would be the first explanation that I thought of, though, is that, yep, he's not going to be the one that's going to be running out all times of night, you know, for queen and country. He's going to at least be there. Okay. I guess I could buy that. Seems odd that someone who would be loved in love with James Bond would basically relegate themselves to trophy wife status. Yeah. I mean, could you see like Tracy Bond doing that? No. no. <laughs> Not in a million years. Yeah, you bring up some good points, Jared. And then just to add a little behind the scenes knowledge, as I was researching this, there was some tension between Pierce Brosnan and Terry Hatcher initially. Mm. Why? She was She was showing up late on the set and uh, he thought that was unprofessional but then it was revealed she was actually pregnant like newly pregnant when she started so I think she was experiencing some physical discomfort morning sickness and that type of thing too so I think a lot of that got ironed out but I don't think the chemistry was ever really 100% there between the actors. That's crazy that you say that because one of the things that I noted it was right around the time that she gave in and hooked up I was like man they have pretty good chemistry <laughs> Those are both good actors. Yeah, I really wrote it in my notes. I mean, that it felt like they had good chemistry together. I could believe that Bond was immensely attracted to her, possibly in love with her, but his bigger love was England. Well, I think this is a good place to put a pin in it and pass the baton over to Pat again so we can talk about double O players. Double player for this. There wasn't really much for this one. You sure? 
Oh, well, <laughs> I counted three at least. <laughs> That's what I got. I got three. Or you got you got the Danish professor. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, the world would have blown up because I wasn't leaving that bedside. <laughs> Thirty minutes. That's a pause button moment. Right there. <laughs> oh, that was bad. You know, you're just like, oh, if I angle this just right, zoom in. <laughs> uh, well, they got uh, Carver. Mm, another pause button. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. Can Bronson be mad at her when? <laughs> yeah, well, I think all sins were forgiven once that dress came off. <laughs> oh man! But hey, another little interesting bonus bonbon because you know how him and folks are always alluding to the fact that he's like having affairs with other people's wives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is actually only the first time that we see Bond share a bed with a married woman. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that either. And I've been in the game for a while, but my mythical Rolodex says that checks out. Except for Gary Moneypenny, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Gary Moneypenny. Yeah. And then I have uh, Waylon. Yep. I assume that was implied. They didn't really go. Yeah, yeah. You knew it was happening. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, I figured, yeah. I figured the deal was done. The yeah. stealth boats are rocking. Don't come and knock you. <laughs> Am I missing any? No, that's what I had. So it was pretty lower count. I was, I was surprised on that. Oh, three's, three's, three's decent. That's a decent odd score, I think. The smoke count. Smoke if you got him. Was nothing in this. No, you're not going to get much smoking. In fact, he actually told a guy, that's a filthy habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the one guy who was lighting up got punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Just consider my fist cancer. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Well, do you guys have any other closing thoughts, any topics you want to hit on? Maybe some stuff in your notes that you're sad you can get to talk about? Yeah, I got a couple. I want to mention the dialogue between Money Penny and James because this was the first time I'm like, hey, I like this Money Penny. Yeah, so did yeah, I. Yeah, that was good dialogue. Oh, yeah. That don't ask, don't tell line. Oh, that was funny. With Just a, a look on him's face, too. Between that and, I mean, they were Money Penny and James were practically dry humping in the dang limo. To just, <laughs> it was good innuendo. And I was glad for a Money Penny that I enjoyed. So that was cool. You know who didn't like that? Gary. Gary. <laughs> no, Gary, not a fan. <laughs> Hello, Carver. Carver, I know where he is. <laughs> what you got, Pat? I didn't write down a lot of notes, but I do got some notes. Mm-hmm. All right, go for it. The stealth ship I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, uh, my other quick one is a Q in the field. Car rental guy. <laughs> <laughs> Same time he shows up in the field is a happy day. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that part. That was a good part. What do you got, Delvin? We should mention Stamper. How big is that dude? <laughs> He's pretty scary looking. Yeah. He had a little bit of red going at first because he was kind of hiding in the background. He had his Zoran moment gunning down mm-hmm. the sailors in the water with reckless abandon. And then he was physical, too. Like Necros. Uh, yeah, like Necros. The mil- reminded me of Necros, yeah. Yeah, he had a lot of good attributes, and they gave him a, a good fight scene at the end, too. So, uh, big thumbs up to Stamper. He reminded I got my mind notes. Blonde guy is the new Grant. Yeah, yeah. He like Stamper. 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 Stop yelling in my ear, yeah. <laughs> i tell you what, I'm going to complain about the movie for a second. The one part of this movie that just drives me nuts that I can't stand. Any guesses? Any guesses? Um, is it the helicopter? It is the helicopter. Yeah, scene. I hate that scene too. Yeah, I that that whole I'm going to put my blades down and chase oh. with my blades. It's like no, that is like certain death. Don't ever let your blades hit anything in a helicopter, or you <laughs> will die. Yeah, I was like, that is just so contrived and dumb. 
It just bugs me. I know I'm in the helicopter industry, so I might take it harder than most. I'm just like, no, that's, that's, that's no, not it. it really does ruin what was a really up to that point, a good motorcycle chase scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just going to tip my blades down because this whole gun thing isn't working. So we're just going to try and chop them up. Yeah, I didn't like that. And the other thing that still bothers me is actually in the pre-title when the guy's choking him from the back seat of the plane mm-hmm. and then he ejects him out. His yeah. head would have gone. It would have been separated from his body and gone along with that guy in real life, man. And the question I had, too, was can the guy in the front eject the guy in the back? I think you know, I thought you could only eject yourself. You know, I nowhere near an expert on this, but I guess it, it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, from a safety the, point of view, maybe yeah. the guy's knocked out. Yeah, I'll buy it. So while we're being negative, Nancy, has anybody got something they want to complain about? <laughs> the helicopter thing bothers me. I don't have a complaint. I have an observation. Ooh, what did you observe? The title itself, very clever. Tomorrow Never Dies. I was wondering what it was going to reference. And so I, when I saw the title, I thought, like, okay, well, that was a very interesting play on words. The threat of Carver and what he was trying to do, that's pretty relevant to today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were pretty ahead there. What was that 97, I think? Seven. So it was 22 years ago, I saw what he was trying to do and to the point where he was literally willing to instigate a war for his end goal. And it's like, wow. To, to get more likes than shares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get media coverage. Because to him, that was unlimited power to be able to tell these stories that he crafted. I don't have a better word for that, that he was crafting just immorally. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit unsettling to me. They did hit home because, you know, in- information did become the new battlefront. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. Pat, do you have anything else? Yeah, I had a couple of questions for you guys. Questions. All right, here we yeah. go. Shoot, questions. we're the right guys. All I get is questions. Here we go. Halo jump. Has any mm-hmm. of you guys done that? Yeah, I've done uh, seven. No, I've never done <laughs> no, that. That's very specialized. <laughs> yeah, I do have paratrooper wings. I've done. Okay. I have gone to airborne school and completed airborne training. But the halo jump is a very special. So I've been told. Yeah, special jump, and and no, I've never never done that. Nor have I any interest in doing that. <laughs> All right. And my second question is, as I was watching this movie, I started thinking about all the other Bond movies that we've seen. Is there a time where Bond hasn't ever gotten caught by the bad guy? Good question. (laughs) Well, I don't know that Sanchez ever caught Bond. Bond wanted to be caught by Sanchez. Yeah. He was caught, but not like imprisoned. He was welcomed into the fold. Yeah, okay. Well, then there you go. Because I was like, is he really a good agent if he's getting caught all the time? (laughs) There are some theories out there that James Bond is terrible at his job. Yes. Do you ever get caught from am, Russia with love? Am I just overlooking that? Oh, he must be a good agent because he gets out of this. <laughs> That's right. At the end of the day, he may use it, you know, I, and in the day, he knows how to make gloves out of his <laughs> pants. <laughs> That's right. And the bad guy is dead, and he's in a dinghy with a beautiful Japanese girl. So <laughs> the W goes to Bond. I <laughs> never got caught in from Russia with love, did he? No. No, he didn't. He was being pursued the entire time. Nobody caught him, though. Yeah, nobody called. See, well, then that that's a good agent. I guess Red Grant maybe had him for a half a for, second. For a half a second for a guy that's Well, I mean, like where he gets taken back and like then, in prison. Let me tell you everything that's going to yeah. happen here. And, you know. <laughs> 
Bond definitely has a habit and Brosnan did it and Connery certainly did it. You can think back with Goldfinger where it's like, okay, hey, it's your job to you know go and stake out this guy and find out what's up. And Bond always makes the point. It's like, hey, you're the bad guy. I'm going to flip my middle finger at you <laughs> as much as I can. And- <laughs> I can every single time because screw you. And this one, he was like barely concealing it. He's like, oh, yeah. no, I'd be lost at sea. Adrift. Adrift. What I'm trying to say is, I think you killed those motherfuckers. <laughs> Spit it out. <laughs> you can't even necessarily blame Carver's like, yeah, handle him. I'm not putting up with that. It was funny because I mean, that's not the first time that Bond has done that. He is an instigator. He is an instigator. <laughs> <laughs> I might blow up some of your facilities. That's right. <laughs> break into your <laughs> $80 million for that satellite is broken. I broken. did it. <laughs> I took your smut. <laughs> I got Which... your red box. I got your smut. <laughs> Which reminds me, I have to do my bit about Gupta. All right, guys, Gupta, they don't make henchmen like Gupta anymore. Okay. You might not have noticed it, but let's take a look at Gupta's skill sets for just a second. Okay. Gupta was wheeling and dealing at the Arms Bazaar at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Gupta knows how to reprogram a GPS satellite. Sure does. Gupta stores your smut and your drugs. Yep. All right. Gupta knows how to pick up audio from a party and clean it up so you can hear what the people are saying. That dude can clean up audio faster than the US can. I think Gupta busted some caps at a few times in there. And oh, by the way, he had cut out scenes where he was a card trick specialist and he could throw playing cards with deadly accuracy. Like Gambit style. Like Gambit style. Because <laughs> in real life, the actor who plays him is a card trick specialist. Jeez. And mm. I'm like, Gupta does everything man he's everywhere he's on the boat he's in the building i mean he had me from the moment he was like i could probably clean that audio up for you a second mr carver like what uh, this guy has an infinite amount of skill sets yeah there's a lot of ambient noise but if you dial it down <laughs> it's like jimmy christmas Gupta. he's banging like, your wife Gupta's like the, the chinese general's here sir oh you keep his schedule too good lord Gupta. You're everywhere. Gupta, Gupta is uh, like Peter Corbeau is to the X-Men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Always there. Everything you need. Hats yeah. off to Gupta. I hope his resume's up on Monster because I need to hire that guy. <laughs> that guy is on point. All right, that's it for my Gupta rant. I'll give it back to you, uh, Jason. I think it's, is it time for Bomb Bombs? Get a few more things if you don't mind me. Oh, wow. Hey, must really like this movie. I'm thinking we might get a high score here. Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> it was just a few other things here. Wade. I liked Wade. Ah, it's always like nice that to see guy. Wade, Jack Wade. Yeah. I thought that he showed up again. I'm like, oh, that guy's pretty cool. I can dig him for a little bit. There was this funny scene where Wade is dressed, I don't know, like Randy from freaking National Lampoon. <laughs> <laughs> and Bond gives him the once over. <laughs> he just kind of looks him up and down like and just shakes his head. <laughs> like, no. That's how you roll on today. That's how you rolling, Jack. <laughs> This, this whole thing you're doing, no. <laughs> I like how we got Matt. He didn't even say goodbye. That's right. He didn't say goodbye. <laughs> I think it's just cool to see because, you know, I remember the guy when he was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Now Brad you see him Whitaker. playing, the, you know, a fun, loving guy. So I, I thought I think that's cool. Um, the other last thing that I'm going to say is we had a countdown, Jerry. <gasps> we did. We did. And I Minus missed it. Five minutes and counting. <laughs> That is true. Was he on the stealth boat? Yes. Oh, I forgot about Jerry on the stealth boat. Welcome back, Countdown Jerry. 
Now, he was out of work for a while. <laughs> he was. He was. And then he came back for the stealth boat. I think he was out of work because in, he doesn't speak Spanish. So license to kill. He, couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> he just couldn't roll it into the city. <laughs> Oh, but I tell you what, Alec Trevelyan in his GoldenEye satellite place, he needed a countdown, Jerry. He did. If any place needed a countdown, Jerry, it was GoldenEye satellite place. Good eye, though, Pat. I, I almost forgot about the return of Countdown, Jerry. Welcome back, Countdown, Jerry. Gold tracksuit and all. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he got off the boat. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> Well, then, well done, Agents. Now, really quick, let's pass it back to Jason and get his final thoughts on the film. And you know he keeps those bond bombs tucked away next to his mm-hmm. pistachio nuts and the coconuts on his junk. Yep, yep. So I guess my final thoughts on Tomorrow Never Dies, and I touched on this a little bit in our discussion, a lot of the criticism leveled against this film is that it came out rushed and there was a lot of back and forth rights, rewrites, and things of that nature. But I think it kind of puts it in the category of The Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, and You Only Live Twice. Again, these are kind of three films that kind of suffered the same issue. Not a whole lot of plot going into it, and set pieces and action sets were kind of driving the whole story. And that can be fun. So as I watched this again, I thought, yeah, I see it. It's a little thinner as far as plot. You had to kind of suspend disbelief as you left Hamburg, for instance, and he just shows up somewhere off the coast of Vietnam at some Air Force base. What got him there? Who knows? But you know, don't think about it too hard. Transportation is not very important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like true. cool. That's right. Just show him where he is. Too. Show him where he was. That's all mm-hmm. I need to know. Exactly. <laughs> but overall, I, you know, I think it was a fun film. Some of my bonbons may kind of tie into those thoughts a little bit. And I have three of them. The first one is the estimated body count in this film is 197. And this makes it the highest death toll in any Bond film. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) And the second one, to the point that I was making about the chaos on set, is that Sir Anthony Hopkins was originally cast as Elliot Carver, and he joined the production, but walked away after three days because it was so chaotic and there was no completed shooting script. There was a lot of pressure on Eon Productions to finish the film on time, and new pages of the screenplay were being delivered every morning. So he opted out and went in to star in The Mask of Zorro instead. And Mask of Zorro was, of course, directed by Martin Campbell, who directed Goldeneye. For the fight scene in the bicycle shop, the producers had to call in Jackie Chan's stunt team because none of the stuntmen wanted to do the scene with Michelle Yeoh because she used a full contact stunt fighting style. And she perfected this during all those films with Jackie Chan. So the stunt team just couldn't hack it. And so she had to call in the Jackie Chan stunt team to film the fight scenes. That would be uh, something I wanted to mention. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh was spectacular. And I was wondering why the heck they didn't show any more of her badass martial artistry. Mm -hmm. Underused. Yeah, way underused in my opinion. There's some other things that I kind of discovered along the way as far as Michelle Yeoh is concerned. And there'll be some bonus uh, material and action film face off if anybody wants to Tune in later to that show. But Long uh, Crusade Network. Yeah. <laughs> she was fun. One of the things that I found interesting is 
So she was riding with one of the stuntmen on the motorcycle and she wanted the guy to go faster because she was used to doing faster stunts. And she said, my hair's not flying back. If my hair's not flying back, we're not selling the stunt. So she was very keen on making sure that stunts were done crisply and as close to the edge as possible. If you look carefully at the very beginning, the opening with the sinking of the Devonshire, you'll see a very young Gerard Butler in the film there, too. Oh, I thought that was kind of fun. Those are my three nuggets, plus a couple more. Too many nuggets. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I got too many nuggets. There are a lot of nuggets for this film. I could go into Michelle Yeoh some more, too. (laughs) I'd love to hear it, to be honest. (laughs) Well, there's also kind of a cool scene where, and I thought this was clever of Roger Spottiswood, the director, the scene where they take the motorcycle and start the motorcycle chase in Vietnam. What he did was he took each one aside separately and told each one that they were going to drive the motorcycle. And so that scene where they go out and they're kind of fighting to get (laughs) onto the bike, he could drive that because he wanted that to seem as natural as possible. I thought that was quite clever. (laughs) So anyway, I think that's enough nuggets for one day. All right. With those 007 trivia nuggets tucked safely away. It's time to have our rookie agents score this film. So, Jason, you got the martinis all shaken? Uh-huh. Shaken stir and stirred. Okay, good. <laughs> well, if you'll run the good folks down on what our scoring system is, and let's find out from our rookies. So we have one to seven martinis. If the rookies give it seven, it means they loved it. It shook their martini. If they give it a six, it means it's excellent. Five is very good. Four is good. Three is just Okay. Two is not so bueno, and one means they hated it. Somebody effed up and stirred that martini. We will start with Pat this time. Pat, how many martinis will you give Tomorrow Never Dies? I am going to give it a five martini. Respectable martini. Very good martini. Not driving yourself home. Mm No. Delvin, your turn. How many martinis? I just have to smile sometimes because you guys always tell us what the Bond community generally thinks about Mm -hmm. one movie or the other. You know, Pat and I have differed. Sometimes we are like, you know, right in lockstep with the rest of uh, the Bond universe. I guess I'm a little bit out of step here because I I like the movie. I enjoyed it. I give it six. Uh, Excellent. It was a slight step below GoldenEye. But I still thought it was a fun movie. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a good villain. And I thought it was good heroes. I enjoyed Michelle Yeoh. And I did enjoy Terry Hatcher for the short time that she uh, had on screen as well. So I liked it. Very nice. Those are respectable scores. Giving it back to you, Jared. Well, all right. Thank you, gentlemen. And now it is time to crown this episode's Double O Award winner. And Pat and Delvin will do this by answering a series of trivia questions on Tomorrow Never Dies. And Pat is our current champion. And he will go first. But before we do that, we got to take a quick break to thank our Patreon sponsors. And I'm going to go super lazy this episode. And I'm going to let our network founder, Mr. Van Allen Plexico, read the list of sponsors this time. White Rocket Entertainment. And as always, we have to thank our patrons who keep these programs on the air and bring them to you. Their continued monthly support makes all the programs on our network possible. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join their ranks and help make these shows 
continue to happen. We have to thank, of course, Brendan O'Dwyer, Samuel Salvatore, Christopher Burles, and Carl Von Drunker, Phil Amthor, Winston Body, Willie Carden, Susan Trawick, Ben Spooner, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens, along with Clarence Alford, David Hegler, Robert Mendenhall, Johnny Caldwell, Reynolds Wolf, Joshua Corbett, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, Will Summerford, John McCune, Tom Anderson, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrecht, William Glenn Matthews, Joel Beckham, Theodore Gary, Shannon Butson, Taylor Sanford, Mickey B., Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Logan Chilton, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne, and Dave Powell. And then there's Jeremy Minton, Lane Middleton, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Chris Commode, Darren Pyle, Chris, Wardam Wade, Jason Albrecht, Randall Walker, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Russell Milling, Matthew Wagstaff, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, Spanky, Brant Rumble, J.W. Rice, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Surfer Chickify, and all of our other one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. And the rest of you, just go straight to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net. And there you can click on the Become a Patron button and help support all of our shows in this network. We appreciate it. You can see on Patreon.com all the various benefits you get. We appreciate it, and we will see you guys down the road. Thank you, Van. Now, of course, if you'd like to help us find a buyer for a pair of former Soviet nuclear torpedoes, you too can help sponsor the show over at Patreon.com. Just search that keyword Plexico. You give as little as $1 a month to help keep Agent Jason's BMW stocked with caltrops. It's fun to say caltrops. Caltrops. And like those other folks, the names you heard Van just read, you'll get a shout out on every episode of all White Rocket Entertainment shows, including this one. As a Patreon, you'll get bonus materials, behind the scenes information on all White Rocket endeavors, including our novels, comic books, and more. Okay, let's find out who this mission's trivia double O award winner is going to be so he can lord it over the other guy until the next episode. Agent Jared and I have each prepared three questions for a total of six. We'll take turns asking each of our contestants a question. You get it right, that's one point. You get it wrong, your opponent has an opportunity for a steal. Most points get you the coveted double O award, Gupta's stash of heroin, smut, and a GPS encoder, and an opportunity to give the people what they want. While supplies last, not available in all areas. Let's start the segment we like to call Agents Under Fire. I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. Oh boy, oh boy, it's time for that trivia round. Pat, you're our current champion. Would you like to go first or second? I'm going to go first. Pat's going first. Delvin's going second. Delvin, who's reading? <laughs> the one who gets the easier question. <laughs> <laughs> can never tell, can you? I never can tell. <laughs> Jason. Jason's reading, so I'll read for you, Pat. You ready for your first question? Yes. Pat, what is Bond's code name in the pre-title sequence? Oh, I know this one. It's White Knight. Correct. All right. We'll see if Delvin can keep pace here. Delvin, what two countries was Elliot Carver trying to provoke a war between? Between China and uh, the UK. 
All right. Coming out of the easy stretch there, neck and neck. That's right. It's all tied up, moving into the medium round. Pat, what was the last thing that James said to Paris before he saw her again at Elliot's broadcast party years later? I don't remember. Oh, Pat. Mm. Pat. Delvin, you going to swoop in on this? Maybe. Did he say I'll be right back? So you can take a commanding lead with this next question, Delvin, if you get it right. Okay. So Q was back in the field, undercover. What company was he pretending to work for? Avis. Delvin. Oh, man, he is striding out. He's striding out. Okay. You you have to have a flawless victory here, man. You have to get Mm. this right, and you have to hope that Delvin gets his wrong and that you can swoop in. But I believe in you. Okay. Uh, I don't believe in you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe in myself right now. (laughs) Pat, all I need you to do for the third round is name the man who killed Paris Carver. Stamper. Oh, no, it was. uh, Oh, 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 and the guy was cool, too. (laughs) He was cool. (laughs) Delvin, do you remember his name? Dr. Kaufman. Oh, Delvin's just going four to one now. That actor guy was cool. I'm like, I've seen this guy before. Yeah, somewhere. I think his name is Vincent Schiavelli or something like that. I, I see him around. Yeah. He looked a little like Daniel Stern. He does have a Daniel Stern vibe. Oh, darn it. That's all right, Pat. Delvin's just going to crush your bones into powder at this point. All right. So, okay, this is just for bragging rights, Delvin. So now that we know his name is Dr. Kaufman, he claimed he was so good at staging suicides that he could make it look like you shot yourself, even if he shot you from what city? <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. It's in the hard section. <laughs> oh, Berlin? So close. Uh, Stuttgart. Stuttgart. They shoot you from Stuttgart and still create the desired effect. All well, right. Delvin, that was a commanding performance. I'm sure you're not going to do anything like Lord this thing like that. No way. No way. You want it. You keep it. Oh, but congratulations to you, Delvin. You you are the champion of Tomorrow Never Dies. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it goes, folks. Now for our final segment of the show, not counting the mailbag, entitled Return Fire. During the Return Fire, our rookie agents Pat and Delvin get to toss Jason and I a trivia question they brought with them in an attempt to stump the double O experts. So let's get going with Return Fire. This never happened to the other fellow. Bring it, Pat. Let's hear it. It's going to be an easy one. That's how I like them. How many chakra points are there? Ooh, that's a good question. I remember that. Is it? Really? Yeah, that's not bad because it's not something I paid a ton of attention to, but I feel like I can pull it out of my butt. Jason, you got chakra points? That's not one of the points, but... (laughs) Or maybe it is. Body has 11 in my head for some reason. I can't swear that that's right, but it's not. Final answer? For some reason, I've got 9 and 12 rattling around in my head. I can tell you a number I have rattling around in my head. Well, don't, don't. (laughs) What's your answer? Body has, I'm going 13. 13. My answer, Pat, is seven. Delvin is correct. Oh, we just got oh. burned. We just got no, burned. That's wrong. There was seven in, in 1997. Now there's 11. Four more were discovered. When? Between now and the movie. 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you got us. Wow. Man. I can't believe Wow. Sometimes if you go for those those ones that seem easy, we're too busy right now. License. I know. I'm looking at, is there a how, clock in the seat? Is like, what color is shoes? How many hours was the record that a doctor? Ooh. That's ooh. good. It was a lot of hours. I think I have a You didn't even know that one? Wow. Shut up, Pat. <laughs> 52 hours. 52. 52. Yeah. I knew there was two. Redeem myself. I plan to go longer. I plan to break it. That's the thing I said to my wife on our wedding night. (laughs) I did not break that. 52 (laughs) seconds? 52 seconds. (laughs) It's more like riding a bull. I plan to break it. 45. I broke it. I broke it. (laughs) Milliseconds. Eight seconds. Woo! Got a lifetime of that coming for you, baby. Oh, uh, what do you got, Delvin? Good questions, Pat. Good questions. Yeah, very good questions. And watch mine will get answered immediately because I forgot to write down questions. That's how engaged I was in the dang movie. <laughs> I know that that was ours too. It's like, oh, I we need to be bailed out. That's fine. We need to be bailed out. I, okay, then I'll I'll go with an easy question then. What was the beverage that James thought that Paris Carver wanted? She he thought she wanted a tequila straight up. Correct. She decided on a bottle, a glass of champagne, didn't she? A glass of Mr. Carver's Mr. champagne. champagne. That's, That's a good correct. question, too, though. I like the questions. Good questions, all. You guys did good today. Yeah, yeah. That I was going to ask, that's probably going to be easy, but I wrote it down, was how many volts could the phone device that Q gave Vaughn, how many volts? Ooh, uh, you would have had me there. I, I got nothing. 20,000. 20,000 is correct. Oh, I'm <laughs> Yes. Somewhere deep in my 007 brain. <laughs> Somewhere stashing your nuggets. It's like my Jason episode. This is usually Jason doing this crap. <laughs> All my notes were for not. I could have just left that notebook. <laughs> as many lights as I wrote down and license to kill for all those trucks. <laughs> Nicely done, guys. Agent Jared, what do we have in the eyes-only mailbag this week? What, no small talk? No chit-chat? Well, thank you, Jason. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com, or you can head over to our Twitter page, which is at ohmspod ohmspod at outlook.com to send us the audio recording. Uh, We'll probably play it on the show. We love that kind of stuff, don't we? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thanks, straight we do. And listen, if you're an iTunes listener and you've got your headphones on right now, we'd really appreciate it if you left a review for the show. So if you could, just go ahead and pull that up on your device right now. Give us that five star, four star if you're not feeling it. You're a hater if you give us four stars. (laughs) You're feeling it. You know you are. You're feeling it. Give us that five star review and take a few minutes and leave us some kind words. We would really appreciate it. Once again, that's on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. I shouldn't have to tell you that because you're listening to it right now. So let's kick off our audio mailbag. And it always starts with Ruth and Darren, R-A-D, RAD. But on our show, that stands for Q's Research and Development. And let me tell you something. Ruth and Darren are awesome people. They do some cool podcasts like Xenozoic Xenophiles, Trekker Talk, which is not about Star Trek, and Warlord Worlds. They all come highly recommended. But let's see what they sent us in for our James Bond episode. And I'm Darren of the Rad Adventures Network. We're with Research and Development Q Branch, and we're here to share our thoughts about Tomorrow Never Dies from 1997. 
the great success of GoldenEye put lots of pressure on the production team to deliver a strong follow-up movie for all of the new fans that earlier film had brought to the franchise. The original script was going to focus on the handover of Hong Kong from Britain to China in 1997, but complications forced a complete rewrite of the script at the last minute. Critics particularly liked Jonathan Price and the character of Elliot Carver as a modern and more believable villain than in some of the past 007 films. The character was inspired by the very public conflicts between media moguls Robert Maxwell and Rupert Murdoch, and Robert Maxwell had actually died a few years earlier after falling overboard from his yacht, as referenced by Elm at the end of the movie. Action star Michelle Yeoh wanted to do all of her own stunts, as she usually did in her films in Hong Kong. And while she was able to do many of her own stunts, she was prevented from doing the most dangerous stunts by the film's insurance company. Michelle Yeoh was already a big star in Asia, and we were already fans of her from films like The Heroic Trio, The Executioners, Supercop, Magnificent Warriors, and many others. She was such a proficient fighter that the Jackie Chan stunt team was brought in for the fight scene in the bike repair shop because the regular stunt team on the movie couldn't keep up with her moves. Pierce Brosnan was so impressed with her fighting and acting that he said she should play a female James Bond, and her character was so popular that producers considered launching a film franchise featuring her, but sadly it never happened. The film also features Colin Salmon in his first appearance as Ilm's aide Charles Robinson. He would return for the remaining Brosnan films, and Pierce Brosnan himself publicly recommended him as his follow-up for the role of James Bond. In a little bit of trivia, the original title of the film was Tomorrow Never Lies, referencing the Tomorrow newspaper in the film, but a smudge on a fax that was sent to MGM during production meetings looked like Tomorrow Never Dies, and MGM liked that idea better, so the title was officially changed. Director Roger Spottiswood felt that after the tank chase in GoldenEye, he would not try to use a bigger vehicle, so instead he decided on a smaller vehicle, which led to the idea for the motorcycle chase featuring Bond and Wayland handcuffed together, which is one of the most iconic scenes in the film. The effect with a remote-controlled car was achieved by modifying the BMW to mount the steering wheel on the back seat. This is the first film that features Bond using a Walther P99 instead of the Walther PPK that he used in all previous films. The Walther company had designed a new gun, and they wanted to debut it in a 007 film. Of the many stunning locations in the film, the bay where they search for Carver's stealth boat is Phang Na Bay in Thailand, which was previously used for the wonderful locations in The Man with the Golden Gun. And sadly, this was the first Bond film made after the death of Albert Broccoli, and it is lovingly dedicated to him at the end of the film. And now it's time for 007 Hits and Misses, when we share our thoughts on two low points and seven high points in the film. This is another great movie with few low points, but there are a couple. A low point for me is that the henchmen are unable to break into Bond's car using sledgehammers and crowbars, but I wonder why they didn't try shooting out the windows, which is what they do successfully only a few minutes later when Bond tries to escape using the car. And for me, a low point is that Bond is able to battle his way through dozens of armed security guards on the stealth ship, yet businessman Elliot Carver is then able to sneak up and get the drop on him. A little more thought could have made that a better scene. But now, let's move on to the many high points in this fun film. Number 7. It's tough to top the excellent pre-credit sequence in GoldenEye, but the producers certainly gave us an exciting sequence here, with Bond methodically taking down an illegal weapons bazaar, while also escaping with a jet loaded with nuclear weapons. It's a great series of amazing stunts on the ground and in the air. Number 6. 
I love the witty dialogue between Desmond Llewellyn and Pierce Brosnan as Q fills out the auto insurance form, asking Bond if he needs insurance for collisions, fire, property destruction, and personal injury. And of course, Bond needs them all. Number five, I like the stealth ship and the sea drill and the way this film and the previous film managed to make Bond feel modern and yet still call back to some of the earlier classics. This one in particular certainly reminds me of the spy who loved me with the giant super tanker that was able to swallow submarines. And interestingly, the stealth ship was actually based on a real prototype ship being developed by the U.S. Navy at the time. Number four, the terrific dialogue in the film featuring lines including Paris saying, I've made my bed and you don't sleep in it anymore. Bond the banker saying he specializes in hostile takeovers. And Elliot Carver saying the difference between a madman and a genius is a matter of success. Number three, the jump from the roof of the skyscraper holding onto ropes as it tears along the length of a giant banner. It's a fun scene, and a good one for Michelle Yeoh to be involved in because it's a bit reminiscent of a couple of stunts from Jackie Chan films. Number two is the awesome motorcycle chase with Bond and Wei Lin handcuffed together. It's visually stunning and filled with a variety of different stunts. I love the way Michelle Yeoh continually switches her position on the bike, and the ending confrontation with the helicopter is spectacular. It's an amazing sequence. And number one is Michelle Yeoh herself, who is awesome as Wei Lin and is easily James Bond's equal. She is confident, powerful, clever, and able to stay cool in the heat of battle, and the choreography of many of the fight scenes is graceful and fascinating. We consider Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg, and Michelle Yeoh to be the trifecta of our favorite Bond girls in the whole series. All three are amazing. And of course, Michelle Yeoh is still a star today, appearing in many successful films over the years, and currently playing both Captain Giorgio and Emperor Giorgio in the popular series Star Trek Discovery. And Michelle Yeoh happens to share August 6th for birthday with someone I know who is special too. Aw, uh, thank you, Ruth. And thank you to our friends Jared, Jason, Delvin, and Pat for letting us share our thoughts. Remember, we're rad. R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. And research and development. Well, they got a Michelle Yeoh love fest going on over there. To that, I say, pathetic. And I was like, everybody hates that scene. He comes off as such a like, not even just a jerk, but like a just like a pathetic jerk. Just like, but what was really cool was the bike scene. We did not mention that our discussion that was very very cool and yeah absolutely i'm a fan of michelle yells too because that woman is a badass <laughs> and uh, super cop super cop yo <laughs> super cop you know what i'd like to see uh remind me when we see ruth and darren at heroes con i'd like to see them do the bike scene <laughs> i think ruth can pull it off you know she would play humble like oh no i've never done this but since they're agents of specter she's exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep 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 i like the part two where they said about how the film was going to be called tomorrow never lies mm-hmm. yeah how it actually got changed to tomorrow never dies that's pretty cool the original screenplay they were talking about with the whole Hong Kong scenario was written by famous novelist Donald Westlake. He's written a lot of those Parker novels. I don't know if you guys are into that. but I've heard the uh, name. 
Yeah, he's a he's a famous author, and he actually wrote it, and then it got unused, and he turned it into a novel of his own, not really James Bond related, but all the sort of plot devices are still there. And it was called Forever and a Day, or Forever and a Death, one of those two. That sounds familiar, too. Because I know the latest Bond novel is called Forever and a Death, so I think that was Forever and a Death. I might have that backwards, but anyway. Well, all right. Thanks so much, Ruth and Darren. We always love your contributions. Jason, I feel like... Here we are in our 18th episode, and I feel like you're like in competition. You're like you're like trying to get every one of their high points and low points, not knowing what the audio file is going to it be. It does. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Can okay. I get everything? No, no, they got that one. Ah, they got me on that one. <laughs> it's pretty funny. You don't hold them the three. That's the that's, I, the, that's the key. Yeah, that's the key. I even snuck in a couple off this last one. <laughs> still couldn't keep up with them. Next up is uh, one of our favorites. That's for sure. Of course, we love you all, but we do so enjoy our junior agents or our rusty agents. As well. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we like to call them. They have sent us a little Tomorrow Never Dies action. I'll be honest with you guys. Most of the time, I don't listen to any of these in so we all hear them at the same time. Those junior agents I've started listening to in advance. I think you're going to enjoy this. Good evening, agents. This is Rick from Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I'm providing this week's field report on the film Tomorrow Never Dies from the junior agents stationed in the Pacific Northwest. As usual, I surprised my fellow junior agent Jeff during the recording of our regular podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, with a pop quiz in the middle of our script. His answers are not prepared. Of course, Frank hears this, and of course he walks away without talking to them, because, man, I would not trust them either. You know, if I was you, I would not trust your co-host, because he keeps doing pop quizzes on you. (laughs) Pop quiz! (laughs) 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 Okay, I wasn't expecting that right now. Okay. Pop quiz! The 18th Bond movie is Tomorrow Never Dies, bringing Pierce Brosnan back for the second time. Now he faces a mad media mogul who is trying to start World War III. Also starring in this action-packed adventure are Jonathan Price, Michelle Yeoh, Terry Hatcher, and Judi Dench. Speaking of Terry Hatcher, she is well-known for playing Lois Lane on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. My question for you is, do you remember who played opposite her as Superman? Dean Cain. And can you name for me four other actors that have played a live-action Superman on TV or film besides him? Okay, uh, Brandon Ruth, Henry... something... Dang it! The no, the latest one with the mustache. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we got Brandon Ruth. We've got uh, what is it? Tom Welling. Yep, from Smallville. Uh, then we've got Chris Reeves. Yep, or Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, what is it? Steve Reeves. Nope, You're on the right track. Though. Yeah, it's 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 not Steve. It's cr- nope. It's not Chris. It's not Steve. It's Mister Reeve. <laughs> he was great. I loved it. He'd uh, always let he'd let bullets shoot him in the chest, and then he'd dodge out of the way of the thrown gun. You were thinking of George Reeves okay. and Henry Cavell. Thank you. Don't, no M. I got that. I'm like McMacavall. All right. So there we go. <laughs> All right. Hey. I'm a rookiest of rookie agents. Training, as always, will continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Based on this week's sample, I think we have a lot of work ahead of us. Thank you for accepting our reports. Until next time, Junior Agents, signing out. (laughs) Well, that was just super. (laughs) (laughs) Man, he couldn't get any of those. (laughs) How are you going to not start with Christopher Reed? You start with Brandon Ralph? I know. What the crazy world are they living in? (laughs) The first words out of your mouth aren't Christopher Reed. I don't know what to do with you. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just don't know what to do with it. In the back of training. That's what. Oh, my gosh. You had Tom Welling before he got Christopher Reeve. <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, thank you, guys. Jeff and Ricky always provide mm-hmm. the laughs. Please keep them coming. We love Rusty Agents, a.k.a. Junior Mission. Well, the Junior Mission support. I never get it right. I always just want to call them Rusty control. Agents. <laughs> call them Rusty Agents, yeah. Oh. Definitely Junior Agents. Well, tonight, boys, we're going to play a fun game for the remainder of our audio send-ins. Admittedly to our audience, I forgot to advertise in advance the show's recording. So some of our usuals, like Agent I and Agent Z, perhaps Agent R from South Africa, or perhaps our Canadian friends from the James Bond complex, they may be sending us stuff. So what we're going to do tonight is I will introduce each of those segments. Then we're going to play a fun game where I will assign three of us to give a canned response. And then the fourth one who I assign it to will do their best to predict a specific response. (laughs) You have to respond to something very specifically. As an editor's note, the only post-recording file sent in we got was from our friend Agent Z. So let's see how we can do it predicting his question on this recording. Time to check in with Agent Z, Don Zoderman from the Netherlands. Hello, rookie agents. This is Don Zuiderman calling in from the Netherlands, and you have reached Tomorrow Never Dies. My contribution for License to Kill was all about Felix Leiter, and for this episode, it's all about the non-Felixes, and there have been many. So in Tomorrow Never Dies, Joe Don Baker reprises his role as Jack Wade, CIA agent, and he helps Bond to discover where the Devonshire was sunk. Yo, Jimbo! Wade, what the hell are you doing here? Jimbo, you know the world's my office. Let's go this way. I think the role of Jack Wade suits Joe Don Baker much better than when he played Whitaker in Daylights. But Joe Don Baker definitely isn't the only guy who ever helped Bond out. There have been many. Your name, Quattle? Maybe. I'm a friend of uh, Commander Strangways. No, ain't that nice. I like people whose friends are people. Well, who won? I had visitors. Limpet mine on the wall outside. Time to catch me at my desk. But by good fortune, I was relaxing on the settee for a few moments. The girl left me hysterics. Found your technique too violent? I am so very pleased to meet you, Bonsan. Permit me to introduce myself. My name is Tanaka. Please call me Tiger. If you're Tanaka, how do you feel about me? I love you. Do not kill me, Mr. Bond. At least not until we've had a drink. Then if you wish, I'll give you another chance. I'm Draco of Draco Construction. Forgot to tell you! Their father! From the karate school! What's the matter, sailor? You never see a major taking a shower before? I'm a good judge of men. Mr. Bond, you have what the Greeks call thrasos. Guts. BJ, we have company. No problem. This is a company car. Ah, well, don't stand there panting, Tip. Let's start the unpacking. Here, let me help. Yes, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. My name is Cameron Shah. Please forgive the theatricals. It's a hangover from my Oxford days. There's Quarrel, 
Kerim, Tiger, Draco, Hip, Commander Carter, Columbo, VJ, Tibbet, Cameron. The list goes on and on and on. And without all these wonderful characters, James Bond would have died ages ago. So, my question for you guys is, which are some of your favorite non-Felixes and why? This is Don Zoudemann signing out. Until next time, gentlemen, goodbye. And Agent Z always gives us good stuff. I love it. Thank you so much, Agent Z. Delvin, generic comment? Man, that intro music, I mean, <laughs> it always just comes in with that, like, just smooth intro every time, like, we're just kind of walking in Agent Z's lounge. That was awesome. Pat, generic comment. I was hoping that he would do another trivia for us. Mm. Yes, he probably did just ask us a question at the end, and it'll be up to Jason to figure out what the specific <laughs> answer is. Jason, what's the specific answer to the question? 197 people were killed, and yes, I understand it is the Americanization of the Bond films, but we're American, and uh, we like two-fisted gun action, and we want to see James Bond smoke camels and eat more bacon. <laughs> We don't care. There's always room for bacon. There is always room for bacon. Editor's note number two. Looks like it was a swing and a miss for Jason, but that was a really great audio send-in. The production is always awesome, and I love the review of the Bond Helpers over the years, Agent Z. Thanks for sending that in. And I'd have to say my personal favorites are probably Karen Bay and maybe Draco, but that's just me. Thanks again for doing it, Agent Z. You are the man. Time to check in with Agent I. This is Agent I with the Fleming Connection for the Rookie Agents podcast about the movie Tomorrow Never Dies. This movie doesn't really use much material from Fleming other than the basic characters of Bond, M, Money, Penny, and Q. But I did find a parallel between Fleming and the movie villain Elliot Carver. Early in the movie, Elliot mentions to his staff that he wants full newspaper coverage, magazine stories, books, films, and TV and radio covering the breaking news of the British-China conflict. Ian Fleming was also someone who thought about his fictional secret agent appearing in more than just books. Just a year after his first novel, Casino Royale, was published, Fleming sold the movie rights to CBS Television. They made a one-hour television movie of Casino Royale in 1954 for a show called Climax Mystery Theater. American actor Barry Nelson played American CIA agent Jimmy Bond, assisted by British agent Clarence Leiter, on a mission to defeat the villain Le Chiffre at cards. A few years later, in 1958, CBS approached Fleming with the project to make a James Bond television series. Fleming wrote ideas for 32 television episodes, but CBS later dropped the plan. Fleming took several of these ideas and turned them into short stories, like For Your Eyes Only and The Living Daylights. And Anthony Horowitz would use some of them as chapters in his two recent Bond continuation novels. In 1957, Fleming allowed the Daily Express to print his James Bond novels as comic strips, which continued for many years, publishing the stories just a few panels at a time. In the early 1960s, Fleming worked with two movie producers to prepare a screenplay for a James Bond feature film. Again, the deal fell through, and Fleming turned the screenplay into the novel Thunderball. 
Fleming later sold the movie rights to all his novels, except Casino Royale, to Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman to make the Eon James Bond movie franchise that we know today. Fleming also wrote the basic setup for the television show The Man from UNCLE, creating the character of Napoleon Solo. Originally, the show was to be called Ian Fleming's Solo, or simply Solo, but the Eon movie producers were about to release Goldfinger at the same time which also has a Fleming character named Mr. Solo. So the television show was renamed The Man from UNCLE, and all association to Ian Fleming was officially dropped. Like Elliot Carver, Fleming was someone who saw his fictional secret agent as more than just a character in a novel. He wanted Bond on television and comics and up on the big screen. He lived long enough to see both Dr. No and From Russia with Love released, and died about a month before the release of the movie Goldfinger. You can follow me on Twitter at SeekOutWisdom for more Bond knowledge. This is Agent I signing out. Agent I. Good stuff. I love it. Thank you so much, Agent I. Delvin, generic comment? That was awesome. Pat, generic comment. I was hoping that he would do another trivia for us. Mm. Yes, he probably did just ask us a question at the end, and it'll be up to Jason to figure out what the specific answer is. Jason, what's the specific answer to the question? Eat more bacon. So that will bring us to a close on this episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. Thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but the realm of comic books, check out the Logbox Crusade. Pat, where can that be found? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade at www.longboxcrusade.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jason. I'll take it from here. Oh, back to you, Jared. Quick plug. If you're going to go check out that whole Longbox Crusade thing, it won't be long. By the time you hear this, actually, there will be an episode out of Action Film Face-Off, which falls under the Longbox Crusade umbrella, where this very movie, Tomorrow Never Dies, is going to square off against. Jason, what's it squared off against? They Live. They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh. If that sounds like an interesting matchup for you, just head on over to that Longbox Crusade feed. If you scroll back, well, it won't be too far. Look for Action film face off tomorrow never dies versus they live and with that plug out of the way thanks to the fellows for taking on yet another dangerous mission thanks to the listeners who tuned in if you'd like to leave a question or comment on this or any of our other episodes feel free to contact the show on twitter at ohms pod or email us at ohms pod at outlook.com or you know what you can contact any of us directly on our social medias we'd love to hear from you my contact info is at yard sale artist that's twitter facebook and instagram all yard sale artists jason you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. Pat. Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. We hope to hear from you soon, and the next episode of MI6 Rookie Agents will feature The World is Not Enough. <laughs> And remember, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. Pat, open the safe. Get out the heroin and the smut. Let's do this. Ooh. Wait, no heroin. It's pistachio nuts. <laughs> it's not pistachio nuts. It's these nuts. <laughs> Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Money Penny. That's all. That's all. Hello. Hello. Pat. Hello. Pat. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. What? <laughs> what? Huh? What? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, What? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, all right. 
who wants to do a show? Let's do a show. Let's go, man. All right. <clears throat> this is going to be the fastest we ever got to a show. Who's ready? I'm ready. Pat, you ready? But I'm going to talk. Hello and welcome to Our Majesty's Secret Podcast, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White I'm Rocket Entertainment. Talk. Shut up, Pat. Shut up. <laughs> I'm so road Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm doing a show. Let's do it. Pat, did you get your script up? I got the script up. Pants down? Yep. Coffee black? Yes. I'm talking to Pat, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> you called me coffee black before. Now you're changing it? I thought he was talking to you, too. I was waiting for him to say, like, you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy, hot thing. Silver hands. Pop, pop, hiss. <laughs> One of the very favorite tracks is the track that plays during the pre credits. I'm a fun stop by to say hello. We quit it. We quit it. Because I already have it recorded. So I guess we just need to do this. Um, ow! Yeah! Uh, what? Okay. Come here. Just call. <laughs> So we got through all that. We're not going to be able to do that? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, crap. Let me say I bring my script back up. Have we ever done an episode where Jason remembered this line? No. (laughs) Nicely done. All right. Everybody stop laughing at me. I will go first as an example. And we'll use Agent I's audio send-in. He always does the Fleming source material. So let's go ahead and listen to that. All right. That was Agent I. So I need generic responses from Jason. What do you got? Yeah, I agree that even though this is outside the Fleming material, I think that the film did capture the elements of James Bond. Delvin, generic comment? Yeah, I'm, I'm always interested to see what Agent I brings when it comes to the literary aspect of Bond, and he brought it again this time. Pat, generic comment? Yeah, I couldn't believe how many pages this actually was, but it read pretty quickly. <laughs> it's not a novel. I will make the specific comment hoping I'm right. I really like the point where Agent I did that British accent. I think it sounded really good. Your British accent's doing really well, Agent I. Maybe I'll get lucky. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And now let's go to South Africa and hear from our friend Matt Robbenheimer. I love the way he says Roger Moore. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome stuff, Matt. Thanks for sending that in. What do you think, Jason? I just really love the way he says Roger Moore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i really didn't say it this time uh, pat what are your thoughts i do you know i i do bless the rains that are down in africa <laughs> delvin specific comment oh jeez <laughs> what do you think he might have talked about it's like this bizarre version of mad libs it's gonna be awesome i'm telling you it's gonna be awesome i actually disagree with his take on terry hatcher he may not have liked her but i thought that terry hatcher did a pretty good job in the space in which she was given i think you are the odds on favorite right now i, I, I agree <laughs> i think you are the odds on favorite for best specific comment <laughs> that just leaves pat to give a specific comment as we listen to this audio clip from our friends in canada at the james bond complex oh i love it i love it i love it what do you think jason i agree wholeheartedly with their entire premise <laughs> delvin once again the countdown from sync to on was <laughs> immaculate perfect 
<laughs> and Pat, some sort of specific comment. I am going to say that they're going to give three O's. Oh. Oh. So you think they're going to say, oh. oh. That's Ooh. a good guess. Yeah, because he always goes, oh. 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 <laughs> I, I was going to give a Felix Slider update. Oh, let's, yeah, let's get one. I want one. All right. The next Felix Slider movie is everything was going well for Felix, but I don't know if you remember from several months back, uh, my mirror, mirror enemy, uh, Zella Freetail, he got him and some goons and they came and they ambushed me and they beat me up and they beat me to within an inch of my life. Then they threw me in a freaking aquarium with sharks, with laser beams in their heads and ill-tempered sea bass. Mm. And I was lucky to escape with my life. I was barely holding on and I was in a hospital bed for months. And now I'm out and I'm ready to go after them. But there's a huge problem hmm. i gained a lot of weight Ooh. and the hospital food weight yeah hospital food you know the prednisone you know because like all the ill-tempered sea bass bit me and you know <laughs> they're, they're poisonous in addition to being ill-tempered so i gained a ton of weight so this is a redemption story and i am back on the trail and i'm going to i'm going to take care of zealot but you know first i have to be felix lighter and lighter to kill that was a couple laps around the track to get to that joke. <laughs> I immediately I regret letting you do to kill. Because <laughs> he needs to get lighter. I get it. I get it. <laughs> lighter. Get lighter to kill. I'm on the keto diet. <laughs> lighter, lighter to keto. Uh, well. Got a license to kill. This all you can eat <laughs> Yeah, that just happened. <laughs> it did. Pat, make sure you get some salve. You know, rub it on your ass after that whooping I gave you. Oh, <laughs> oh, watch out now. <laughs> We're falling apart here, boys. <laughs> And that's a wrap for this episode of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you around the alternate dimensions in the future. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-99. You will not regret it. <laughs>